the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Mental health is essential to our overall well-being. When we feel mentally well, we can work productively, enjoy our free time, and contribute to our communities. Many believe that mental health occurs in the brain, but in reality, it is the result of everything going on in the body. What we eat, how we move, our body's chemistry all factor into mental well-being. Joining us today to talk about wellness tools that can help us live a balanced and full life is Victor Brick, the co-founder and CEO of Planet Fitness Growth Partners, the largest privately owned franchisee in the Planet Fitness franchise system. Victor also co-founded the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation. Welcome, Victor. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on, John. It's a real pleasure. So, Victor, you created the John W. Brick Foundation as a result of losing your brother to mental illness. Can you tell us a little bit about the struggles that your brother faced? Sure. Uh, my brother, John, was the, uh, was the most talented one of five children in our family, my oldest brother. He had more ability in his little finger than I had in my entire body. But he was plagued by this thing called mental illness. In his case, it was schizophrenia. And it followed him around wherever he went and whatever he did. And ever and. and uh, John would be on this, this cycle where he would require medication to become lucid and to be able to function. The medication would make him feel better. He would realize how horribly the medication was making him feel physically and what it was doing to his body because he was a good athlete. And he, we were all, there was four brothers and we all liked to do sports together and he, he couldn't function. He couldn't, couldn't um, physically function. And so he would get off the medication. And, of course, that would begin to spiral back down into a state of uh, psychosis and, uh, and mental illness. And, and uh, as he got older, he, he began to show signs of mental illness in his early teens. And as he got older, and I'm talking about the 30s and the 40s, he, it, it began to become more acute. And at times, he would, it would be so bad that he would run away from home if the grown man can quote run away from home and by now my parents were living in florida and they were basically to spill his caregivers and everything his wards so he would always return to silver spring the dc area where we grew up because that was where his childhood was where he was he was most uh, happiest memories of sports and hanging out with the brothers and friends and he would become homeless and i was always the one that would go to try to find them because I was living in Baltimore. And I would literally drive around the streets of Washington, D.C., looking for my brother. And somehow, I always found him. One time I found him sitting on a wall in DuPont Circle, wearing nothing but a pair of jeans, no shirt, no shoes, no socks. Fortunately, it was the middle of the summer. And I would bring him back to Baltimore, and put, we would put him in one of the mental hospitals in Baltimore, one of the state mental institutions, and... and they would get him back on his medication, and the cycle would continue. I was always able to save him except for the last time. And as he got older, his, his, his uh, acuteness or psych psychotic episodes decreased, but his mind began to basically become in a permanent state of, of 
psychosis where he believed the devil was after him and everyone was his enemy. And, and he thought that he had to start doing penance for his sins. How else could he he'd be plagued by all these horrible things? And so he began to remove himself from society and withdraw into his little trailer home we got nearest my parents' home because we couldn't keep him with my parents anymore. He, he, could, he was a danger to himself and others. The point is that the last time when my father found him on the, you know, he began to remove himself from all the modern appliances, air, uh, phone, radio, TV, refrigerator, and finally the air conditioner. And when my father found him on the floor of that trailer home, when he'd gone to pick him up and take him to the doctor's appointment, and he was passed, he was deceased. It was 110 degrees. And we don't know if he died from heat stroke or from the heart attack because of the medication, what the medication did to over 40, 50 years of, of medication. It didn't matter to my mother. She said, enough, he's gone. So she wouldn't allow them to do an autopsy. I know the medication killed him. Mm-hmm. And, and at his funeral, it was one of the saddest affairs we, my wife and I ever attended. It was only the immediate family there. And it was as if this beautiful person's life, and he was such a beautiful person in every way, one of the kindest souls you'll ever meet, one of the kindest hearts. But it was as if his life never mattered. And it was nobody there to mourn him. And I said, this is not the way my brother's going to go out. And I'm not going to have others. I'm going to do whatever I can to prevent others from having to go through what our family went through. And that was the genesis of the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation. So, Victor, first of all, I'm very sorry for your loss, and I'm really sorry to hear this type of story. But I have to ask, how common is this story in one degree or another? How many families are living through what you and your family and your brother experienced? You see all those homeless people out on the street that you see now? Right. All those people you're walking by that have those cups that you think are lazy? When I say you, I'm talking about you as as, as the general public. They're my brother. They're talented. Many of them, they're, they're educated, they have a loving home, and they have a non-functional mental state. They, 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 have a, they have a mental condition. They have an illness. And there's millions of them that are going through exactly what I'm going through. Those people you see standing out in the middle of the road with nothing on, like I said, my, my brother with a pair of pants, yelling and screaming at the top of their lungs, they're off their medication. If they had their medication, they'd be fine. But here's the problem. If they had a salutogenic life, salutogenic meaning a wellness, if they had a salutogenic approach to life from their medical caregivers, they wouldn't need as much medication. Maybe they wouldn't need any medication. Maybe they wouldn't be out in that street. Maybe they'd be in an office somewhere running a business. Maybe they'd be teaching. Maybe they'd be a doctor. Who knows what they would be? Because mental illness affects everybody. At some point in life, Everybody's going to be affected by mental illness. Everybody. I'm sure there have been times when you have had a hard time getting out of bed for something. Maybe it was the death of one of your parents. Who knows what it is? Everybody goes through mental illness issues. And if you treat them, always treat them with medication, psychoanalysis, and institutionalization, you're going to doom some of these people to that lifestyle, whether they would have normally gone that way or not. Most people can recover from the, the challenges of life, and we get get it back together. We pull ourselves back together, and we move on. Abraham Lincoln suffered a mental breakdown. Thank goodness. Thank goodness there wasn't Valium, there wasn't Haldol, and there wasn't Lithium. When Abraham Lincoln was alive, or he would have never been president of the United States, he'd have been in a mental institution somewhere. They didn't have these medications, and he worked through it. And Many, my, my brother needs medication, he was schizophrenic, but he did not need it as his sole means of keeping it healthy. And Victor, I want to get to treating the whole person in a moment, and we'll talk about ways that we can do what you're suggesting. But before we do, how much of what these people, all of us actually, are experiencing has to do with the stigma that's associated with mental illness, that people think this is something you can just snap out of, and they look down upon it. How do we get rid of that stigma? I would propose that we have gotten rid of the stigma. The John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation is not about removing the stigma. Athletes are coming out about the stigma. Professionals are coming out of the stigma. I do not know a lot of people that look down on people with mental health anymore. It's the problem is nobody's doing 
anything about it. But the the society has under has begun to accept the fact that mental health and mental illness affects everyone. They did a survey, and you know I'm in the fitness industry. They did a survey. You're a monitor. It's the equivalent of basically a gala today, but internationally. Gallup's international tool, of course. But anyway, they did a poll of why people work out. 100,000 people they polled. So you know what the main reason? Every single, and they divided them in the major age groups, that being uh, the Gen Xers, the Gen Yers, the Gen Zers, and the, and the millennials. Do you know the main reason people gave for working out? Mental well-being. Mental well-being. Mental health is considered the second pandemic. Go online. There's not a, you, every single Media, soccer comes out, the, the, the tennis player, everybody's talking about mental health. I think we're there, and I've been in this for 10 years, we're there. We no longer have to push the stigma, stigma, stigma. It's time to start pushing treatment, treatment, treatment. Because mm-hmm. as long as we're about the stigma, we raise money for awareness instead of focusing on, on, on doing something about it. So uh, my brother... When he had mental illness, that was a stigma that was 45 years ago. But I don't think it's what, I don't think that's the main challenge anymore. I, all you got to do is go, go out and ask all your friends how many of them are seeing therapists. Everybody right. I know is seeing a therapist. Right. There was a time. There was a time you would, you would never admit you're seeing a therapist. Now you talk about it openly. Go to a restaurant and just start eavesdropping. Everybody's talking about their therapist. That's mental health. So I truly believe we've passed that hurdle. And I, I just look at the at the uh, the military PTSD. There was a time a military individual. You're on the movie Patton. Maybe you do. Maybe you never saw it. But in that, and it's a true story. General Patton, one of the heroes of World War II, was criticized for for hitting a soldier because he was the soldier was claiming he had quote uh, uh, battle fatigue. You know what battle fatigue is? PTSD. Can you imagine today a military person hitting a soldier for PTSD? PTSD is. It's common, it's accepted. And you know what's accepted about PTSD? That everyone that has been in combat, everyone experiences it, not just the weak. PTSD, as I'm sure you will agree, is as accepted a clinical diagnosis as a common cold. So, you know, that's an example. And if there's anyone that in the old days could not show fear and could not say they were weak and could not say they had mental health issues, it was the military. You know, you had said earlier that every one of us at some point in our life has most likely dealt with a mental health issue. And the work that I'm doing now, Victor, is the result of that. More than a decade ago, in a period of six months, my mother died, my sister died, my oldest son left for college, and my 23-year marriage ended. And from that, I was extremely depressed to the point of considering taking my own life because I didn't know how to move forward. This work it's because I learned the importance of the whole body approach to healing, the way we move, what we think, how, how we eat, all of that was what I implemented to move forward. And I know that you're a proponent on exercise and treating the whole person. And you actually just released a, a new report that talks about the impact of exercise and movement on mental health. What is it you believe we should be doing? And, and what did this report teach us? Okay, so... Uh, I'll answer the question, but I'll kind of refer back to the, the issue about the stigma. As I so, and I'm very sorry to hear of your story, but it's, there is always a story for people right. like us. We got into it because there's a story, and the stigma, as I said, is I don't know is that is no longer is uh, still the main challenge. The acceptance of the treatment is, and here is why, because people like yourself and people like myself, we know what works for us and what works in in our circles, but there is not as much science as you think that substantiates it. And the science that has been done needs to be promoted so that the medical community and the insurance community, and even the general public is aware of what's out there, what research has been done, and begins to accept it as mainstream, as opposed to what I said previously, which was medication 
psychoanalysis and institutionalization. So we, the John W. Mental Health Foundation, collated over 1,100 studies, and we categorized them all related to movement and mental health. And we, the, the, the report that we compiled, or the data that we compiled is in a report called Move Your Mental Health. And it's a Move Your Mental Health report, and it's on our website. You can go there and see what we've done. But we took all the information, and basically we collated it as to what uh, type of movement was studied, how many people were in the study, whether it was a, what, what was the level of the study based on a peer review being the top level all the way down to the anecdotal level of uh, reviews that had a very minimal scientific basis. And and so you can go and find a report on everything from yoga and mind-body as well as movement. But, you know, we have meditation, we have cardiovascular, we've got strength training, we've got uh, swimming, we've got, uh, you know, almost every form of movement that has a, has had a study done, and you can basically see what the research is and what the findings are, and, and the number. Uh, it's difficult to explain because it's, it's so thorough in, in, in what we've done, but you, you can basically uh, see an overview of, of any study that has been done in the field of movement and how it relates to mental health, mental wellness, and mental illness. And we're hoping that this is something that will become a resource for medical professionals to use. I would like to see every psychologist, every therapist, every psychiatrist refer to this report when they are treating their, their patients and, and get them to begin to implement the salutogenic whole holistic process. And once again, that report is... The Move Your Mental Health Report, and it can be found at johnwbrickfoundation.org. Victor, in our final moments, if you could leave our listeners with a piece of advice, what would it be? The piece of advice would be to take control of your wellness, your self, and start to employ self-care in your life. Take control of your health and well-being. Whether you have mental health issues or not, and or whether you are work, have have it in your family or or somebody that you're uh, responsible for. There is self-care and there is health care. Leave the health care to the medical professionals. When John was psychotic, he needed health care. But whenever possible, employ self-care in terms of diet, nutrition, exercise, mental, uh, uh, mind-body practices, do your research. Use this study. Uh, there are other resources and books and literature. Do not abdicate control of your sense of health and well-being and those that you love to others. And basically, employ self-care to help you be a happier, healthier individual. Victor, thank you so much for joining us. For our listeners, once again, it's the johnwbrickfoundation.org. That's the website to get a copy of the report or to just, it's a wonderful hub of resources. So I encourage everyone to visit it. And Victor, I want to thank you so much for spending this time with us. This is such an, an important topic. It's always important, but I think even coming off of the year that we've just experienced, it's even more relevant if that's possible. So I'm really happy that you're here and that you've shared this with all of us. Well, again, it's a pleasure being on the show. And I, uh, I am always available to, to discuss the critical issue of mental health and mental wellness. And like you said, because of COVID, it is more important than ever. This is Conversations with Jones. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path. Personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. 
Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining us today is Doreen Steenland, an IFC certified coach who uses neuroscience to harness the power of our brains. As a transformational neuro coach, Doreen changes brains one thought at a time. Doreen is the founder of Living Full Life Coaching. She is here today to discuss avoiding the shoulda, woulda, coulda in our communication with others. Welcome, Doreen. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love this topic because we've all had difficult conversations and afterwards thought, well, that didn't go as planned. So what do you believe (laughs) leads us to have a communication breakdown? Great question. I, I feel like it all begins with how we perceive the situation that we're in. Sometimes we come to our conversations with with um, thoughts, emotions, and baggage from the past that really affect the way we receive what's being said to us. Sometimes when we're having just what would seem like a normal conversation, we could be easily triggered by um, one word, for example, or any kind of feeling that makes us feel uncertain or a sense of unfairness or some kind of threat to our independence or position or feeling like we are outside of a social group. All of those things are, are trigger threat responses in our brains. And then when we are acting out of a threat response, we go into a fight, flight, or freeze reaction. And that often is very highly emotionally charged, and it leads to regretful conversations for sure. So, Doreen, this is happening in most cases when we're not even aware of it. So with that baggage and with those triggers, when we feel that happening, how do we manage these thoughts and emotions? You made a great point that it often happens when we are not even aware of it. And I want to point out also that it's not gender related. Um, It's a wired response in all humans and, and how we handle it makes a huge difference in the world. Um, one, one of the ways that we can, can tackle this is when we come to a conversation, practice coming into a conversation with curiosity and really listening to, to understand what the other person is saying. We're not listening just for facts, but we're listening for the emotion behind the facts and what might really be going on for the speaker. It's, it's coming with a more self-aware perspective. And we're looking for um, employing listening skills that are more empathetic. Because when we come to people with empathy, it really decreases the charge. But the first thing for ourselves in order to start listening like that is to when we get feel that trigger when we feel that response we need to pause and we need to start taking some deep breaths when we take those deep breaths it triggers our brains to release feel good emotions that actually can calm us down and then we are able to transfer from the emotional part of our brain the limbic system to the prefrontal cortex where all the higher thinking takes place and where we can actually rationalize what is happening to us instead of just going on autopilot. Most of us live from a place of autopilot, and and part of what is, is happening is we react and we respond the way we have always acted and responded. So when we can be intentional and pause and take some deep breaths, collect ourselves, and, and begin to ask ourselves some powerful questions, ask ourselves, 
you know, where am I feeling this stress right now in my body? Most of us have a certain place that we feel the tension, whether it be tight shoulders, sweaty palms, shallow breathing, a knot in your stomach, a clenched jaw. Just ask yourself, where am I feeling this right now? And notice the sensations that you are feeling. Most of us, once when we start to feel these sensations, we either try and, and, and stuff them, stop them, judge them. But instead, just noticing that we're feeling a little threatened in the moment and notice where we're feeling that in our body really calms things down and allows us to shift our perspective from the automatic to the, the conscious choice to an intentional choice where we can ask ourselves questions. We can ask, what just happened here, right? What are the facts and what assumptions am I making? Oftentimes we come with perceptions and assumptions to every conversation. We have preconceived ideas when we come, right? And so by pausing and asking ourselves the types of questions, we can figure out what our next best option is. What do I want to be thinking and feeling right now? And how can this be a win-win situation for all parties involved? Doreen, with the goal of moving away from the programming, being less reactive and more mindful, very quickly before we run out of time, is there another tip that you can offer for effective communication? Yes. I, I mean, I would say it all really begins with listening and curiosity. Being curious about really understanding and hearing the other person. I think that this is something that is missing in our society right now. I think that everyone has their own opinions and wants to share them, but few really want to understand what is happening for the other person. And we can understand and disagree at the same time. But when we, when we take the time to really empathize with someone and understanding and relating to what someone else feels, um, we can connect with them in a deeper way. And we earn, in, 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 in respect, we earn the right to be heard back, right? Because there's already a connection. When someone feels seen, heard, and understood, it creates a connection in our brains. It can create the connection with the other person. And then they are more willing to listen to you. So when, when we have to communicate, we have to first connect before we can um, redirect in, in, in a sense. Doreen, thank you so much for joining us. This is always important information, but I agree with you. It, it feels like it's just especially relevant right now. So I thank you for being here and for teaching us about effective communication. If you would like to learn more about Doreen and her work, you can visit livingfulllifecoaching.com. Or as always, to hear more from Doreen, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Doreen. We'll be right back. Do you believe that there can be a silver lining from tragedy and that blessings come in disguise? Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. Your attitude determines how you view a situation and how you move through it. A tragedy is defined as an event causing great suffering, destruction, and distress. We understand the meaning of those words. However, I believe the important component is how we view the situation. What may be a tragedy to one person is nothing more than a bump in the road to another. And while we can agree that events such as death, divorce, or job loss create less than desirable circumstances, each can be viewed and handled differently from one person to the next. The key is that person's outlook. There are people who see the glass half full in all situations and others who see it as half empty. We have a choice about how we view what occurs in our life, and that choice determines how we will transition through a tragic experience. So, how can you get through a tragedy? Recognize that you have a choice in the situation. We often believe that we are a victim of circumstance and that this will be our lot in life. We think that we will never recover. The key to moving on is to know that you have the power to change the situation. No matter how devastating the circumstance, you have the power to get through it. You are not a victim. The choice is yours. Never suppress your feelings. Hurt, sadness, and grief are all normal emotions, and they should be felt. The problem occurs when you allow yourself to stay stuck, when you assume the role of victim. 
Get help if you cannot do it by yourself. Read books and seek information that can help you get your head in the game. Reach out to friends and loved ones. Isolation can make the situation worse. And seek professional assistance if you're overwhelmed, depressed, or have suicidal thoughts. Remember, you're not alone and you have a choice. How we experience our life comes from how we view what we experience. As Dr. Wayne Dyer said, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Thanks for spending this time with me. For more inspiration and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com. From the studios of AM 970, The Answer, on Broadway and Wall Street in Manhattan, this is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Today's guest, Emanuela Bissoni, believes that you can empower yourself by becoming your own best healer. She joins us today to talk about how you can reverse many chronic conditions naturally by using a unique whole food approach. Emanuela is a leading expert in how to naturally restore your body back to optimal health and a master transformational coach. She is the author of the book, Healing Through Nature's Medicine, A Story of Hope. Welcome, Emanuela. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Joan, for having me. I am truly blessed to be here with you. So, Emanuela, you have an interesting story. You worked in the finance industry for more than two decades. Tell us why you made the switch to helping people. Uh, I think it was really, truly um, a passion and um, some sort of a force that ignited in me when I first healed my dog from IBS, which was years before, using a whole food approach. And then when I healed my own issue with my thyroid and the mass and nodules I had, I really, that was like, I, I felt like there was a, a calling in me that said, I need to really share this with the world. And that's when I became a life and a health coach. Where did you first learn about the possibility that you could do these healings on your own? My mentor, Donnie Alalawi, who is a blessing and my earth angel, because she, I met her in 2014 when my dog was struggling with IBS and I was completely lost. I um, just was sad and felt hopeless because he was suffering for two years with IBS, chronic diarrhea, vomiting, um, and the vets that I was seeing were really not helping me the way that I really needed it to be. So in meeting her, she opened my eyes. And like so many people out there, you're always going to be a little skeptical at first. But from the first recommendation that she gave me when he had diarrhea every day for four months continually, she just told me to add blended pureed zucchini and celery to his existing food that would clear up the mucus and help with forming his stool again. I started to do that and literally two days later, his, his stool started to form and the mucus was getting less and less. That's when I was like, you know what? She knows what she's talking about. I need to listen to her. And from that point on, she taught me everything on how to switch him from a commercial dog food diet over to a whole food diet and doing a protocol with plant-based supplements, which are probiotic enzymes and microorganic algae. And within eight months, he was completely healed. So you're talking about your dog, but how did you make the switch then to implement these principles on humans? So that was in 2017 when I became really sick. Um, and when I, I had adrenal fatigue, I went through premature ovarian failure, which put me into menopause at the age of 38. Um, and I was a mess. I had mood swings, uh, feeling bloated, every single symptom on that menopause checklist I had. And I felt terrible. I didn't like who I looked. When I looked in the mirror, I just didn't like the person I was becoming, and it wasn't the true me. So when I one morning woke up and I was already feeling the body aches, the chronic pain in my joints, then one morning I woke up and I felt these lumps in my throat that scared me to death, and I knew there was something seriously wrong. So I immediately called my doctor, 
made an appointment. He took me the very next day, went in to see him. He sent me for blood work and a sonogram. That came back with um, hypothyroidism. And the nodules that were once under control for years had grown to a very large size that was a major concern to him, as well as me developing a mass on my thyroid. So that really scared me. I was like, oh my God, what is going on? Why is my body reacting this way? I felt like my body was against me at that point. And I was like, I'm not eating as badly as I thought at that point. But I said, there's something wrong here. Something's not working right. So he wanted to send me to an endocrinologist. And I asked him, why do you want to send me to an endocrinologist? He said, well, he's going to put you on thyroid medication. And I said, nope, doc, that's not the way I want to go. I said, I know, I knew in me there was something that was telling me. I've helped pet owners heal their dogs. I know my mentors helped thousands of people. She healed herself from, you know, eczema and uh, ulcerative colitis. So I was like, you know what? There's, there's something there. So I said, Doc, I'm going to put that off for now. I came home. And at first, I did actually make the appointment for the endocrinologist because I was scared. I felt, you know, the first thing that came into my mind was thinking I had a mass cancer. So for me, I was like, let me make the appointment for the biopsy and for the endocrinologist. Then three days later, a light bulb went off and I said, let me talk to my mentor. I called her up, told her what was going on. She's like, listen, you can reverse it. I said, all right, tell me what to do. She told me exactly what to do, how to shift my diet. I completely shifted my diet, took certain things out of my diet, uh, started a ramp-up process myself with getting my gut, number one, to start working the way it should be. Because when things are not working properly in your body, your gut is the first go-to. So for me, I was like, okay, let me start this journey. I gave myself three months and within three months, first off, the first month was I was going through detox. And detox, when people start to heal their bodies, you start to feel worse before you feel better because things are eliminating out of your body and they have to come out some way. So you could be more fatigued if that was one of the symptoms you were experiencing. You could have a little more diarrhea or even vomiting, but that passes depending on how chronic you, whatever you're going, whatever is going on in your body, um, that does pass though. So the first month was really crucial, and it was really, it was, it was tough. It was, I felt very fatigued, but and every morning I woke up feeling my throat. The lumps were still there. The lumps were still there, and I was using proteolytic enzymes as well to shrink the mass and nodules on my thyroid. So um, in the first month, I was feeling terrible. Then about, it was from August um, and then September, I started to regain my energy. And one morning in September, I woke up, I think it was September 18th. I, I see that day as if it was yesterday. I felt my throat and the lumps. I couldn't feel them anymore. And I said, oh my God, this is working. And I was so excited. And I was like, oh my God, I felt empowered that I had control over where my health was going and I was reversing everything that was going on with me. So I kept on my path because I did give myself three months. And then I went back to the doctor. He sent me for blood work again, did another sano. And he looked at me and he was like, okay, what are you doing? What's this magic <laughs> that you're doing? And I said, and I told him what I was doing, whole food diet, um, you know, and then also ramping up my gut, working on reestablishing the my gut flora which in turn then will then it will it will help your liver and kidneys which are really the most important part of the system of the detoxification system to start working properly to start eliminating chemicals and toxins and bacteria and fungi out of your body so he said to me he, he said your thyroid's back to normal and your mass and nodules shrunk by more than half their size and I just felt so much joy. And I said, I got to write a book about this. I mm -hmm. have to let people know how to really, this is, it is possible. It's not a magic pill. It doesn't happen overnight. But you can restore many chronic conditions that people suffer with needlessly.
Well, this is just such a, a, an amazing example because the human body is magnificent. It is designed to be self-healing given the right tools. So how do you believe we should approach health problems? Well, first off, I think that really set aside all of the beliefs that you were taught, which is that you, you, your first go-to is over-the-counter meds or medications. And I'm not saying medications are bad because to a li- for a life-saving condition, obviously medications are uh, a proper use. But give your body the right environment and you will see amazing transformations in your body. Your body needs six major requirements every day, daily, and that is protein, healthy fats, vitamins, minerals, water, and essential and um, and carbs. So these are the, and, and always going towards more of a, in your diet, eat two raw meals a day and one cooked meal because you're getting a lot of the enzymes from the raw foods that you're eating and you're feeding your body all of the minerals, the amino acids, the, the everything that it needs to keep itself healthy. So for me, food is your best medicine. And I really truly believe that, you know, many of the times, like when you when you think about a book that Dr. Jeffrey Bland wrote, Genetic Nutritioneering, right? And I uh, wrote, I read his book, and it's about scientists involved with the Human Genome Project and, um, and all of its affiliated research. And they're learning that such age-related diseases, such as heart disease and auto-onset uh, diabetes, arthritis, digestive disorders, loss of mental uh, acute acuteness, all, and also certain forms of cancer are not inevitably um, consistent with aging. They develop because of the poor match between genetic needs of the individual and choices he or she are making regarding overall health, specific nutri- nutrient um, intake, lifestyle, and your environment. So in really focusing on an overall transformation, and it is a lifestyle transformation. That's how I, I look to help people. It's taking small, manageable steps on shifting their diets to a more healthy approach to adding more nutri- nutrients to their body and giving the body what it truly needs, helping them reduce their stress because stress is a major um, factor in it. Water intake, the type of water you're drinking makes a, cho- makes a difference as well. Um, so these are all the things I like to hit on. Your, your environment, that makes a difference as well. So in really taking one step at a time, you can transform your life. The book is Healing Through Nature's Medicine, A Story of Hope. If you'd like to get more information about Emanuela and her work, you can visit embodyvitality.net. Emanuela, thank you so much for sharing your story and for some of what you've learned. As Dr. Mark Hyman, who has been on this show multiple times, has said, it is time for us to visit the pharmacy, F-A-R-M, instead of the pharmacy, P-H-A-R-M. So I thank you for being here, and I wish you much continued success with your book. Thank you so much, Joan, and I agree with him 110%. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Did you know that there are three ego states, parents, child, and adults? The parent contains the attitudes, feelings, and behavior incorporated from our parents, guardians, or caretakers. This ego state embodies all the rules, values, and social norms we were taught or conditioned to use during our early years. We depend on this self to keep us within socially acceptable norms. When this ego state gives you advice no longer appropriate for your current age, maturity, and circumstances, it can adversely restrict your creativity, imagination, and development. The adult logically calculates information and makes decisions accordingly. Its vocabulary includes probing questions like who, what, when, where, and why. 
Our adult fosters our ability to think and act based on what's happening in the current moment. Adult is rational and objective. This ego state deals with facts and makes decisions. It enhances our ability to ask questions, reason, and assess situations accurately. The child is composed of our feelings and emotions. It embodies natural feelings such as joy, sadness, love, and anger. It also encompasses adapted feelings such as inadequacy, shyness, fear of rejection, and desire to please others. Your early conditioning determined which ego state or self currently dominates your personality. All three ego states play an important role in your development as a total person. When we seek personal and professional development, we can create goals to find the balance we need to succeed. To further this discussion, call me, Bertha Robinson, 732-705-5060, or visit staronprofessional.com. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. So, how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life book club, created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club. today is Eileen Lashinsky, the founder and creator of Fine Body Freedom, a program developed for women who want to change their relationship with their bodies. For over three decades, Eileen battled with her own issues with body image, weight, and her relationship with food. After trying every diet on the market, she realized that the answers to her struggles were right inside her body. Since then, Eileen has been working with women to guide them to discover their own innate body wisdom and to find body freedom. Welcome, Eileen. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad to be here, Joan. Thank you. I get to interview many doctors, all of whom have shared that many of the lifestyle disorders that people experience can be prevented by maintaining a healthy weight and a way of eating. So with the work you've been doing and helping people to find their innate style of eating, to find their body freedom. Do you believe that our weight is a matter of life or death? Uh, Wonderful question. Complex and complicated. Simply put, for this moment in time, I think it can be, but I don't think it has to be. Here's the thing. I I have been hesitating talking about this and writing about this for a while because I've gotten some uh, pushback from a people and some people in the medical community, actually, who say, Eileen, it sounds like you're promoting um, that it's okay for people to eat just whatever they want and to become overweight and to not exercise because they're not in the mood, etc. And that is so not what I'm trying to say. What I am suggesting, no, I take that back. What I am stating is, that I believe, and there's research out there that we don't necessarily hear about that says that health can be achieved at any size. Yes, we have to be mindful of fueling our bodies appropriately. Yes, we have to be mindful of appropriate amounts of exercise because we were born with arms and legs, which means uh, inherently that we are meant to move. Yes, we're supposed to get appropriate amounts of sleep, and I could go on and on about all of the things that we need to do for health. But notice that has nothing to do with a healthy weight. And there's been so much research done that, again, we're not aware of that shows that there is not an increase in risk of death or even risk of major illnesses if we are taking good care of ourselves in the ways that I measured, even it mentioned rather, even though on the scales, whether it's the scale on the floor or it's the body mass index scale, whatever scale a medical professional is using, we might be over normal weight. But that does not mean we're unhealthy. And we don't hear about this. And that's extraordinarily unfortunate because we're getting two things as far as I'm concerned. 
both misinformation and um, not enough information about uh, what our weight really means and is it a matter of life and death. Well, and I guess an example of what you're saying would be the person who is very thin. So automatically we assume that's a healthy person, but that person might live on candy bars and and junk and just happens to be a thin person who may have health ailments that, you know, we don't necessarily connect because the person is not overweight. I totally agree with you. And that thin person, oh, by the way, could be suffering from a life-threatening eating disorder, and we don't know about it because all we see is thin, you know. And with a little bit of makeup, you don't see someone's skin tone for not uh, taking in enough nutrients in the body in order to sustain, you know, glowing good health. Uh, And that's unfortunate. So the freedom then, Eileen, comes in removing the importance of that number that we see and shifting the importance to proper nutrition, proper exercise, caring, just nurturing and loving the body and everything else should fall into place. Uh, Yeah. Again, you want to join me on this crusade (laughs) because you're absolutely right. You and I will go around speaking to all of the women of the world and saying just this saying just this because you're absolutely right. Eileen, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Fine Body Freedom, you can visit Eileen's website, finebodyfreedom.com, or you can listen to some of our previous conversations by visiting our website, cyacyl.com slash Eileen. joining us, I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.